All right. Well, hello and welcome to another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today we are in the studios talking with our executive director, Ken Emilio, and we're discussing the issue of the Gospel Rescue Mission smoking policy, uh, the nicotine cessation policy. Um, and I think that what we want to start with is say, Ken, why don't you tell us a little bit about why, why do we do what we do in the first place? Tell, tell us about what we do and why we do what we do. Well, the smoking policy is one of those areas, Brian, that as you know, we get some of the most unusual complaints and things that seem so simple um, to uh, donors, to residents, to people who look at why do you do what we do. Uh, my first response is typically when people ask me, why does the mission prohibit smoking? I always ask the question is, smoking what? Uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the problem becomes is in the details. The devil is always in the details. For sure. You know, we get, we get uh, more heated feedback from people in the community. And uh, oddly, oddly enough, uh, as many in the Christian community as, as outside the Christian community, um, you know, very, very defensive on this, on this uh, issue. So do me, do me a favor, lay out the problem for our, for our audience, lay out the problem that we have. Well, we, we, pro, we prohibit uh, a lot of substances and we prohibit a lot of behaviors, yeah. but then everybody does. Uh, whether you're a church or whether you're a business, whatever you do, there's certain things that are acceptable and certain things that aren't. And most of the things that are acceptable that you accept in your business or in your home, especially in your home, are based upon the values and the shared needs and safety of those in your home or in your community. And so uh, if we agree that some form of uh, regulation of substances is necessary, then the next question is, what do you regulate? Uh, alcohol, tobacco, pipes, cigars, uh, when and where do you regulate them? Right. You know, I always think, well, you know, I'll ask somebody, do you, do you regulate these things in your, in your home? Uh, do you allow your kids to do them in, in yes. your house? And, and, and uh, inevitably they'll say no. And, and then you go, okay, great. Why? <laughs> and and then then they then they're surprised that you, what you're but you're not a home, you know you're you're not a home. I go wait a minute. I've got like a hundred men and women and children living here. What do you mean I'm not a home? When you look at the density of the people that live at the mission versus the density of people that live in a typical family home, uh, it's overwhelming. When you think in terms of we've had a lot of people crammed into this building. And, and a couple of buildings, and they have to learn to get along with each other. And how do we set the things that we do? Why do we do the things we do? Well, we have to regulate based on the community as opposed to many times uh, the individual, uh, opposed against the individual. And so the needs of the classic statement, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, For sure. or the one really do apply here. Yeah, yeah. It's um, the individual liberties at times in, in, a, you know, in a community. Everybody, everybody has to limit their, their needs, uh, their individual rights that they might have, per se, in order to flourish within the community. And that's really true in all of society, right? We t it is. We tend to isolate when we're challenged by people in the community about, quote, cigarettes. How do you define that term? You know, if, if it's legal... Do we allow it? Well, do we allow a beer? 
uh, what's wrong with one beer a day if I let them go out into the into the community, have a beer, a glass of wine? Uh, Why not casual uh, sex? You know, whatever. It's legal. It's legal. It's, um, it's legal. <laughs> marijuana right. is, is now legal <laughs> right, in Oregon. Right. So it's, it's how do we decide what's legal? Is it based on the individual's needs or is it based on the idea of community and how we get along? And from the mission's perspective, it's got to be based on the various people that come here who really want to change who want to make a difference in their life. We're not just a holding pattern or a holding cell for people. What we really are is we're so much more than the traditional mission as people communicate. The Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission is totally unique. Grants Pass City is totally unique. We're not a big city mission. We don't do street um, homelessness like many of the other organizations do. We have to. We have decided. Our board and you, Brian, and and everyone at the mission has decided we want to help those people who are really ready to make a change in their lives, and that's what we're focusing on. Yeah, and it's and even when we say it's it has to do less with the needs of the individual and more with the needs of the group. Even when you consider the needs of the individual, you still you still go, well, is smoking what's best for them? I mean, what do you really want for a homeless guy? Do you want do you want to just make them feel good, or do you really want something better than that? What we're shooting for is something that's so much grander than that. What I want for them is to not be homeless anymore. And I recognize that smoking is just one of those things that's, that's right. that plays into their homelessness and how they got here. Um, and that's a, that's a big deal. You mentioned, what would you allow in your home? Um, well, what about chewing tobacco? What about snuff? What about uh, cigars? What about uh, roll your own? Or if vaping. we get into the issue, yeah. yeah. If, what, if you get into the issue of just roll your own cigarettes, do you have any idea? Have you ever heard of the term lacing? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm asking, and for you, it's a rhetorical question, but I would ask our audience, if you haven't heard the term lacing, you need to think about it. Yeah, lacing is the idea that I can take a cigarette, a typical cigarette, or not even mentioning it, roll your own, and lace that cigarette with just about any substance I want. Sure. Any liquefied medication, drug, you name it, uh, I can put it in a cigarette and you'd never know it. You know, it was it was funny to me the first time I I learned that guys would take their when I when I first came to the mission, guys would take their prescription opiate pills for pain, and they'd crush them up and take them into the bathroom and and try and smoke them. Yes. and and I was I I did never occurred to me that somebody would do that or the first time I heard that somebody was crushing them and then snorting them, and I, I was like, why in the world would somebody do that? Well. They're doing it to get high. Yeah. They're doing it to get high, and that means more to them than anything. So, you know, again, what is he smoking? Well, from a distance, I can't tell. And even sometimes from the smell, especially if it's combined with tobacco, I can't tell. Uh, so that's that's pretty challenging. I think we have to recognize that, that uh, the mission is a place where people's lives are falling apart. Uh, they're desperate. It's not a normal. It's not a normal situation. And to put influence or to put stress on them uh, that things like addictive substances because i include tobacco into the concept of addictive substances um, those things create a challenge for our residents that you would not normally put anybody under why would you put something in front of of a heroin addict why would you hand a heroin addict uh, uh, 
medication that he doesn't need, uh, but he sure wants. And why would you do that? One of the biblical key biblical principles that we have is that I will put nothing before my own eyes, but I won't put something to cause a brother or a sister to stumble. And love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. And so, and so, you know, even if it was, even if it was, hey, a nutritious sandwich laced with something that will give you cancer, but it's delicious. Here you go. And and anybody anybody that you know if you knew you were giving it to them that way they'd go that's cruel that's awful why would you do that and yet they want to fight for us to allow them to continue smoking and um, we just talk about the, the the health issues alone the health risks alone for for them as they continue smoking uh, when they're trying to come off of you know their their addiction to alcohol or their addiction to whatever whatever it else it is uh, it's the the con- to continue smoking is just going to drive their health further into the ground and increase the risks of cardiovascular death and all kinds of other things and so uh, to me it's like the the evidence is just so overwhelming why should they quit we've known everybody should quit for the longest time but for some reason we want to defend the homeless guy's right to smoke why do you think that is take that health issue yeah uh i think that people are trained to want to feel sorry for for help for people yeah and uh, that idea of well should i give them a, a rock or should i give them something that's going to help them you know, that's, again, a biblical term that talks about where uh, your father loves you. He's going to give you good things. Right. He's not going to give you a rock or a snake. A serpent. Or a serpent. Right, right, right. And, you know, that that uh, that idea of even the health issue is uh, I've more than once looked at this. When I first came to the mission, uh, I, was a, I, was a, I was a volunteer. And like so many of us were volunteers and I was doing chapels. Well, eventually I was asked to be on the board and then I was asked to be the executive director. And when I first came here, I had a kind of a libertarian background. Uh, I was going to, when the previous director had put in place this new smoking policy, you can't even have nicotine in your system. Like he treated it like a drug. And my first role was, how can he do that? That's cruel. That's unusual. Take away the health issue altogether. Just the idea of managing people, helping them with relationships. The smoking policy has tremendous benefits. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm sold on it completely. Uh, think about what you're asking our staff to do. When uh, we had, a, I don't know that you remember, Brian, but we had, uh, I asked the staff to vote on uh, how would they, did they want to have cigarettes or not? And do you remember the response? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We overwhelming the staff all voted in favor of the smoking cessation. Uh, they they all recognized that uh, when they start thinking through what does it take to monitor and 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 uh, regulate and and everything like that, you know, and and thinking about all the ramifications of if we let them smoke. Um, what's, what's, what's it going to mean for me as a, a person who's charged with care for and guidance of, of the residents of, uh, of, you know, making friends with not just the residents, but my neighbors who live around the residency of the mission and everything. We realized that, oh man, th- this is a can of worms that if we were to open that up would just become a nightmare and would make us less productive. It would just simply make, it would make the the ability to get people free from addictions and get people free from the street 
get people free into their own, you know, into own good lives uh, that are that are wholesome, that are you know, where they're paying their own way in life and everything. That uh, that just seemed like if it's it's related to all of those things. Everything connects. Yeah, yeah. It was it was funny when uh, one of the things I brought up to the to that day when we were at that meeting a couple of times was okay if you're Brian Boatelder and you're the men's coordinator. Uh, and you want the smoking policy, Brian? How many cigarettes are you going to allow them to carry on their person? And how many cigarettes are you going to allow in their in their lockers? One pack, uh, five packs. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, and in the economics of smoking cigarettes, I could have ten cartons. And if you think I'm exaggerating, you should get into the street concept of what it means to own, buy, and sell cigarettes. You got some. Well, in fact, to- in fact, we have a policy here, an additional policy here at the mission that the residents are not allowed to buy, sell, trade, give away anything to one another. Um, and for the very reason that you're getting at is that uh, once somebody becomes indebted to somebody else. Um, when, when you don't pay off, when you don't pay up in, in your time, uh, well, we're going to send Guido to break your legs. Great kind of thing. You know, exactly. Tool. Suddenly, suddenly violence is justified. Suddenly all these things. And so all of the rules that we have uh, at the mission really have come as a result of bad experiences of things going the other way. And, and that's certainly true with the, you know, no buying, selling and trading amongst one another. And if there's tobacco, Guaranteed, it would it would become the it would become the currency. It'd become the Bitcoin of the mission. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like the term Bitcoin. If you if you think in terms of some people, I'm, I chuckle with with some folks that come up and say, um, "What do you mean by the economics of the street? Street yeah. economics 101 is what my wife has been writing about." But one of the big issues was, is if I'm a street person and I want to make a fast twenty bucks, how do I do it? Well, it's real simple. I go and I pay five bucks for a pack of cigarettes, pack of twenty. And then I turn around and sell them as Lucy's, what are called Lucy's, for a buck or two bucks a piece. Yeah. I can make 20 to 30 bucks in a day. Yep. And that's extra. And then if I sell by multiple packs, they'll come to me to buy a dollar a cigarette. Right. And, but, you know, it's interesting. Drug stores and, and uh, liquor stores and convenience stores used to sell Lucy's. That's right. It was a program that they would buy and sell for a buck a piece. You could go in, crack a pack of cigarettes, and you just sell a buck. That practice, quite frankly, is illegal now in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. They passed a law. On it. That's funny. That's funny. You know, it, it plays into it, really the poverty of... Of, of the homeless homeless person to begin with they don't recognize and they don't manage their money well they don't they don't recognize that that the buy how much tobacco costs you know to, to spend five bucks or even a dollar for, for a cigarette at any one point in time it seems it seems insignificant in the moment because it's only a buck well at the end of the day if you if you smoked a pack you've smoked twenty dollars worth of individuals or you know or a five dollars but five dollars a day for a month that's 150 bucks and so you start wondering how are these guys staying poor and staying out on the street well they can't manage their money and and for me you know, I don't have a problem with smoking per se. I don't find it to be a sin. Right. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think that it's something that's. Uh, if somebody's got the luxury, the the money to spend on luxury items, they should be able to. You know, as long as it's not doing it to the detriment of something else. But First Timothy five eight says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for a member of his household. 
He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Um, you know, again, uh, Paul says it in, in 2 Thessalonians. He says, it was not because we don't have the right, but because to give you and an, an in ourselves an example, for even when we were with you, we would not we would give you this this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, uh, not busy at work, but as busybodies. And again, I, I see that's what we see on the streets. That's what I see is this is this kind of idleness that uh, that just sits there. You know, they can't find their way out of out of this position, and they have no idea that they're that they're trapped in it in part because of the poverty that's brought on by smoking. But you know, Brian, you're so cruel right. when you think about it in terms right. of saying you're denying someone who's been addicted to drugs. Right. They're giving up everything to come stay at the mission. You're putting something that's very hard to do for them to do. How can you do that? And so do you, do you, let me ask the question in this terms. Yeah. Does the mission provide anything? And I'm asking the leading question. Yeah. But does the mission provide anything in terms of help for them quitting? And this is something that I'd like you to talk about because people don't realize just what the mission, how far the mission will go That's to help right. people. That's so right. tell us a little bit about that. Well, one of the things that we've done, and we, we did this at the beginning, when, as we began to, you know, maybe five or six years ago, when, when we were really challenging this policy in and of ourselves, uh, we began to work with uh, the folks at All Care um, and, and asking them. All Care them, is what? So All Care is a local... Um, it's a, it's a local what they call them a CCO. It's a um, it's a it's an insurance company. It's like a health um, organization. It's a, it's a health organization, and they provide most of the um, the tobacco cessation programs for the medical community in Southern Oregon. So uh, if you're a doctor or a nurse trying to quit at the hospital, um, then you're going to deal with probably an all-care professional who's going to provide you support and encouragement and, and give you the, the tools that you need to do so. They looked at our at our cessation program, and they were the ones that we, we kept going back and forth going, hey, you tell us what we need to change, what we need to fix. They would look at it and go, okay, you should do it this way. And we'd go, okay, well, what about if we write it like this? And then they'd come back and go, yeah, that's fantastic. So the things that, that uh, they've asked us to do is provide uh, a couple of nicotine replacement, a nicotine replacement therapy and a couple other options besides just a cold turkey quit. And this is under medical supervision. And this is, well, it's, it is and it isn't under medical supervision. It is in the sense that um, you would go to your primary care physician and get a prescription for these things. So uh, it's, it's, per, it, you know, it's definitely sur- supervised that way. Uh, the administration of it is, is is something that, that each one does as an individual. But um, so what we've done is said, okay, um, we go, you have four options, one of four options to quit smoking. You can quit by cold turkey if, you, if you'd like, but we also, uh, right out of the gate, encourage those who are not all that courageous at trying to take a cold turkey quit uh, to try a couple other options. Uh, the number one that we see is the patch, the use of the nicotine patch. Um, 
And what we found is, is that, okay, uh, the organ health plan will, will cover nicotine cessation or, and, and we'll cover that through the, the use of the patch. They'll, pers- they'll, they'll cover a prescription. But we all know it takes, you know, sometimes a week or so to get to see your doctor and, and get a prescription. So what we've done is, um, as a mission, is we've said, okay, we will get patches and we will provide them at our expense um, provided that they sign a waiver uh, release of liability so um, you're saying that the mission actually will buy patches for them free of charge and does so frequently yes. yeah we, we we do this often um and then uh and then we also offer uh two other by prescription only options, uh, either they can use uh, Wellbutrin, which has been a well-known, uh, it's an antidepressant, but it's used often for uh, nicotine cessation. It's pretty successful. And of course, the use of Chantix. Um, and Chantix also, again, as long as it's under the uh, supervision of their doctor, uh, we're, we're okay with that as well. Um, very few will use those two options. Most will either use the patch or just quit cold turkey. And even those who start on the patch, very few of them actually stay on the patch long. Uh, what we find is that um, that as long as they're going to the nicotine cessation classes that we provide every week as well, uh, that all care comes in and sends a representative in to to do. So a, we don't we don't forbid someone from staying at the mission if if they're smokers. Right. No. In fact, we would encourage them to come here because hey, what a great opportunity to quit. Um, I've I my I was raised by parents who smoke. I I know you know dozens of I've got dozens of friends that smoke, and uh, and I've listened to them over and over again tell me how they would quit if they had the help. And I just tell them, well, all you got to do is become homeless and come down to the mission. And how much time? Yeah, how much time do you do you normally give someone to quit? So the quitting of of smoking depends on the on the cessation program that they choose. Generally, what we'll do if they require some kind of if they ask for a nicotine replacement, we ask them quit smoking right away. But we'll get you the the uh, the patch right away um and uh, so that you you'll still have nicotine in your system but then we give them eight weeks to come off of that you know and, and to, become, to become nicotine free oh, right and then um with with chantix and with wellbutrin they're a little different um but again uh we give them actually we give them uh, a solid week that they can continue smoking while they're while they're working through their process because it takes the first week they they still smoke during their time that they're on on the on the uh, chantix anyways and uh and then after that they've got another week to kind of you know do some hit and miss and then and then after that they're done and uh, so 12 days 14 days and then then they're done and and uh free to go you know um and we see Really, the the cool thing is, is at least eighty percent of the people. That was that my start. next question. Was yeah. you're you're actually the, the mission we're running up to eighty percent success rate. I, I would even say I would guess it's even higher than that. At least during their stay here. Now, people might argue, well, yeah, but they go back out and do it after they leave. You know, after after they check out of the mission, and I'm. Yeah, they may do a lot of things after they leave the mission that they can't do while they're here at the mission, and. 
that's fine. I mean, they can sleep in past 5.30 in the morning when they leave the mission because it's not a sin. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to get them to quit sinning or, or anything like that. You know, I mean, we are trying to get them to quit sinning as well. But, uh, but I don't, I'm not seeing this as a sin issue. What I'm saying is, is that I'm giving them the opportunity to heal. I'm giving them the opportunity to, to change their budget and change their lifestyle. And a lot of them actually, after they leave, one of the reasons they go back to it is because now they, they have money for luxury items because they've become a productive member of society again. They've, they've got a job. They've got savings. They can afford their rents, all those kinds of things. And so then if they, wanna, if they decide they want to smoke, well, well, then they can, and that's okay. Um, and not all of them do. Plenty of them still don't you know, after they leave. I think one of the biggest takeaways that, that I think both Brian and I want to uh, give our audience is that the mission is about helping to uh, bring people uh, to a place in their lives where they start to have some control and where they uh, get rest here uh, and that they learn how to form healthy, productive relationships. And all too often, s- substance abuse and abusive and and uh, addictive substances get in the way of that. That's right. uh, how they use it, uh, how they interact with it. We find that people who tend to smoke in an organ in a situation like this tend to form cliques. That you you walk into the mission and watch, or uh, a group of people. How do they mix? How do they interact? Uh, smoking. Uh, I'm not trying to say smoking. I'm with you, Brian. I'm not saying that smoking itself is a sin. But if I go to a local drug rehab place. you're going to see a crowd of people smoking and within that group other things take place you know what's funny is um statistically so only about 20 percent of the american population smokes today in in the united states um and and um an interesting thing is that among those who have mental health issues in the mental health community 95% 95% of that community smokes. Um, one, of the, one of the things that we I like to say here at the mission, and, and I didn't come up with it, but I, I sure like the, uh, the statement, is that people run out of relationship long before they run out of money. And, and that's, how they, that's how they ended here. So when we look at, when we look at smoking and say, what, it, what is it doing? What is it serving? Well, it's serving this, this relational inadequacy that I have, this, this thing that I, that I need to learn something new um, that I don't know. And so smoking has served as that purpose for, for a lot of these guys. We're trying to get them to bridge this new, into this new area where they can learn real good relational skills without, uh, without chemical dependency. I mean, in the end, We've established, you know, that, that tobacco use among impoverished, impoverished people, is, it's bad financial practice. It keeps them in, pro, in poverty. Um, we know that the, there's overwhelming evidence on how tobacco use is devastating to a person's health, particularly when they're, when they're recovering from uh, other damaging addictions. Uh, we discovered that you know tobacco cessation uh, can can actually assist with the recovery from other addictions when done simultaneously. In fact, there's there's a, about a 25% higher chance of them of of a person who's dealing with other addictions. Uh, recovering from those as well when they quit smoking at the same time. So it actually increases their success rate from those things. And so when we, when we look at all of those things, we recognize that uh, placing a temptation like tobacco 
tobacco use in front of somebody who's struggling with other life-threatening addictions. Um, it's, it's unkind, it's unloving, and so therefore, it's against the Word of God. It's, it's, it's basically focusing on the bad. Focusing on the negative, right? And the the idea of and when I say bad, I mean bad be, bad habits, bad behavior. Um, that concept that we learn in Philippians four, for example, it, it reads: Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things. And, and and what you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of God will be with you. That what we're looking for here is to get stability. The mission is all about helping people who are in a, a crazy situation on the streets or a crazy situation on the home, at their homes, and get some peace, get some stability, so that you can build yourself up physically, mentally, spiritually, to be able to get back out into the community and be an active member of society. That's and right. the toughest place to quit addictive substances is right here at the Gospel Rescue Mission yeah. because this is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, you, you and your staff put a tremendous amount of rules, if you will, but what they really are, they're guidelines for good behavior based in the biblical concept of loving God and then... Loving your your fellow brothers. That's right. The, the toughest place is out on the streets. The toughest place to quit anything is when they're out on the streets. So here, the real question is to the person who would ask, why would we have this smoking cessation policy? The real question is, why wouldn't we? What is it that you really want for a homeless person? Do you want what's best for them? Let's love our neighbors as ourselves. If, if that sounds good to you, I think that's a wrap for what we've got today. Uh, I, again, I'd thank everybody for listening. And uh, I would encourage you to do a couple of things. First, share this podcast with your friends. Um, encourage others to come check out our website. It is gospelrescuemissiongp.org or grantspassmission.org. Also, I would encourage you to like us and friend us on Facebook. Um, just send that out there. Let people know that, that we're here and what we're, what we're about. And again, thank you and uh, may God bless your day.